In American society, money is a taboo topic. We're taught at a young age it's improper to talk about it, but we're also bombarded with messages about the power and importance of money in our everyday lives. And by not talking about it, we miss out on the skills and lessons we need to effectively understand and financially plan. That changes today. Welcome to Money Tales. Hosted by Sandy Brager and Cami Doder, Money Tales brings more than 35 years of combined professional experience in personal finance to demystify money and demonstrate what it's like to speak openly about personal financial matters. Join us each episode as they interview modern-day movers and shakers about how money decisions intertwine with their daily lives in order to give you better insight into productive financial conversations. Subscribe today and register for our blog, Fathom, at aspirient.com slash podcasts to increase your money mojo. And now, here's Cammie and Sandy. Tiffany Shade is our guest this week on Money Tales. Tiffany started her career in corporate America and then shifted to becoming a wife and mother. She really threw herself into those roles. At a certain point during her marriage, Tiffany realized it was her responsibility to get more involved with the family finances. As she tells us, she worked on both her self-confidence and financial confidence. That helped Tiffany achieve the clarity she was looking for, which led to her launching her own business and deciding to leave the marriage. Tiffany is the founder and CEO of Sacred Child Beauty. Aware of many hats, Tiffany sought to combine her background as a certified holistic health coach with her love of lipsticks and all things luscious. Today, through Sacred Child Beauty, she's bringing benevolence to the industry as a changemaker of cosmetics. The company's line of clean, non-toxic, cruelty-free, and highly pigmented products is suited for people of all identities to look and feel their best. Here are three key Money Tales conversation topics Tiffany hits on in this conversation. First, what it was like to be in a relationship where she didn't have insights to how her partner was spending their money. Second, how, when it comes to personal finances, it's important to ask questions when you don't understand something. And if you don't get a satisfying answer, ask the question differently or ask someone else. Third, how the nagging voice in the back of her head motivated Tiffany to become an entrepreneur. We hope you share this episode with a friend and please subscribe to Money Tales on your favorite podcast platform. Now, on to our conversation with Tiffany Shade. Hi, Money Tales listeners. Before we introduce our guest today, I had a topic for you, Sandy. I am a big fan of setting goals. I want them to be achievable, so trying to keep it simple. And one of the areas is around financial habits, some really good foundational financial habits. And I I know I'm talking to the right person about this. You know, where my brain goes, Sandy, is to, again, I want to keep it simple and I want it to be impactful. So I have a tendency to not check my statements whether they're banking, savings, investments, I let them pile up. And it gives me anxiety because I haven't checked them, but I don't want to set aside the time. So one of the financial habits I want to create is a more frequent checking of those different accounts. And I'm curious, do you have any recommendations from a frequency standpoint? Ooh, well, I would say it would be great if you could check once a month. Okay, 
but if you're starting at ground zero. So if that feels <laughs> too ambitious, once a quarter. And I recommend going into your calendar and setting aside time and just completely blocking it on your calendar in that regular routine, whether it's monthly or quarterly, so that you already have the time set aside and make it really easy on yourself. I know I have almost all my accounts set up for e-statements and I have my password locker and it's really easy to get into all my different financial institutions and check things out. That's the easy way to check. Or if you're someone who likes to use an expense management or budgeting software, there's tons out there. And that's a way to have all of those different financial institutions feed your information into an app. And you can look at it all in one place that way. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Cami. I love that this is a goal of yours, <laughs> but do everything you can to make it super easy to create this habit. So you don't even have to think about it. You're just primed and ready to go when it's time to check out all your financial affairs. I really like this idea of setting aside time and truly blocking off my calendar because you can have the best of intentions, but the day gets crazy and it's once a month. I and mean, that's easy. You're, you said once a month. I thought you were going to say once a week. Once a month, that's easy, right? But then your time gets sucked up. And I read something from James Clear, author of Atomic Habits, and he was talking about goals are great, but it's all about the system. And I figure that as you can't achieve the goal unless you have the system in place. And I like that. It starts with just setting aside that time. Yeah. And if you want to next level it, Cammie, I would challenge you to make observations at the end of your review, whatever they might be. Do a, a values check. Are you spending money in alignment with your values? Did you see some surprising transaction that you didn't remember about you want to go back and look at? Whatever it is, take some time not only to look, but to reflect and think about the information that you just collected and reviewed and determine if you want to change habits on a go forward basis even more. That's even more fun because then it becomes real and it becomes my story. I think that's great. Well, maybe our guest today will have some ideas on some good foundational habits. I just have to say that, you know, that is one of my goals. I actually have a, a system set up and it's just so hard. And monthly is my goal to go through all of my accounts and my investments and also my spending where I go in and I label everything in my program and then review it and go, yay, I did better. or I need to make some changes. I like that. Some celebration. Yeah, there's... Yes, you have to celebrate the small things. Yes, that will help reinforce a habit. That's for sure. <laughs> well, this is great. So without further ado, welcome to the Money Tales podcast, Tiffany Shade. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you, Joe. I appreciate the time. Absolutely. Would you provide an introduction and in that share a couple of pivotal moments in your life that really influenced who you are today? Yes. So again, I'm Tiffany Shade, and I am the founder of a non-toxic, cruelty-free cosmetics brand called Sacred Child Beauty, and it's something I'm really, really passionate about, just really been my heart and soul. And a couple pivotal moments in my life that really have put me where I am today are certainly are my childhood, like for all of us, you know, really influences the place of foundation. 
And my childhood actually gave me opportunity to really think about and really go through a lot of processing on what I wanted to change about it, what I saw that wasn't working and what I saw in other people and other families that were working. I was the first one in my family to go to a university and seeing, you know, growing up and and hearing my mother and my grandmother really reinforcing to me all the time how important getting an education is. That was the number one thing is just education, education, education. The, I guess, second pivotal moment was going to UC Berkeley, feeling in such awe of all of this learning and all of these ideas and all of this challenging of the status quo and questioning. It was just like a really vibrant place to be. And I was an art major. So I was in the art department. So that was also an amazing place to be in, in terms of exploring ideas. And it really made me open up a lot in terms of who, what I was open to. I was just like, everything was open. So I I really cherished that time. And from there, I, I went into corporate America, which was a huge shift for me because no one in my family had been in corporate America before. So I didn't know what it would feel like. And it was a, I'm going to age myself, like I'm a million years old. But I remember being asked to, you know, I was interning in HR at the corporate headquarters of Macy's. And they asked me to fax something. And I went to the fax machine. And I was like, I don't know how to use a fax machine. <laughs> they don't teach you that in college, <laughs> do they? No. And this was before smartphones. And so I couldn't look it up. And I was like, oh, my gosh. What do I do? But um, that was a really incredible experience. And it was another big shift. It was back when we had to wear suits to work and <laughs> you know, everything was very buttoned down back then. I had the opportunity to work with some really like major players in cosmetics and skincare retailing, which was wonderful. It built my confidence in terms of my ideas and my instincts. And then I shifted to becoming wife and mother at a certain point. And that I really threw myself into, I really wanted to, I wanted to do everything just right, just perfect. And I had my son who I'm sure anyone who has a child understands just how life changing that is. And I I couldn't fully appreciate it until I had him because suddenly it was like, I've got this person, this beautiful soul who... He doesn't need to have any of this other stuff that I've experienced. He doesn't have to like, that's not his deal. And so that really pushed me into some deep therapy and which gave me lots of questions and really gave me the space to fully become who I am now. And then I'd say the last thing was starting this business. And then I become interested in holistic health along the way. I, I became a certified holistic health coach and starting this business and it coincided with me filing for divorce. Like I filed for divorce a couple months later. And so that's been very significant. Tiffany, tell us about as you're growing up with your mom and your grandmother encouraging you to further your education. Would you tell us more about that story and describe why did they think it was so important for you to go off to college and what were their hopes and dreams for you? Yeah, absolutely. So the women in my family have all had children very young. I was the outlier 
I had my son when I was 31, but my grandmother was 14. My mother was 17. And and my mother had wanted to, she had dreams in high school of being a flight attendant because she wanted to travel and see the world. And when she unintentionally got pregnant in high school, that was really something that really changed her life in a big way. And so she always really made it a, a point to tell me how significant it was that that experience and her not growing as far as her education. Also, at the time, you know, my parents divorced. They started the divorce when I was 11. And we really went from having plenty, you know, we were very comfortable and it was like night and day once my mom filed for divorce. Financially? Yes, financially. You know, we had housekeepers, we had vacations, we had all the things, racehorses, everything. And it quickly went to where we didn't have much at all. And we were really scrimping and there wasn't money for allowance and there wasn't money for extracurricular things. So that also really made me, you know, my mom went back to become a nurse and she would reinforce in me, Tiffany, you really need to always have an education to fall back on. I didn't have it. I got my GED. And now I'm this age going back to get my RN. And it's overwhelming. You never know what's going to happen in life. How did this experience of going from a very comfortable lifestyle to a much more modest one and, and hearing these messages from your mom about how she learned from the decision she made in her life and was hoping to encourage you to take a different course. How are these landing on you? And in what relationship were you having with money in these formative teenage years? Yes, it really did impact me. And it's still something that I work on and even talk about in, in therapy still, because when you experience having everything that you want, and then suddenly there's this scarcity of what you have, it sticks with you. And, and it's something that it's like, it takes a lot of courage to be able to, you know, for me to make these, a lot of these decisions that I've made has taken a lot of courage because in the back of my mind, it's like, oh my gosh, everything can be gone like that. It can just disappear. Like it can be gone. Someone else has control of it and then it's gone. So interestingly enough, I was like, oh, I'm never going to be in that situation. You know how opinionated we are when we are teenagers. Like, that's (laughs) never going to happen to me. I'm never going to do that. But as happens in life often, as we grow, I've had some more than a few relationships that actually have replicated in terms of someone else having economic or financial power in the relationship and there being an imbalance. So universe. I get it now. I got it. I don't need any more <laughs> and no more lessons. But yeah, that was very difficult. And I had wanted to be able to help, you know, when you're a teenager, you want to be able to do these things. I mean, there were times when, you know, she needed me to leave lunch during lunch hour at school and high school and drive to the bank and deposit the child support checks because we were literally living, you know, paycheck to paycheck. And there were times when, you know, electricity went out and mom was like, oh, oops, I, you know, I forgot to pay the electrical bill and things like that. So scarcity wasn't just a mindset, it was a reality. Yeah, it was a reality. And my mom made it work as best as she could, but certainly, you know, financially, she definitely had some credit card debt and things like that, that I hope not to ever repeat because that's a scary place to be. 
Tiffany, you mentioned being in relationships where other people had financial control. I'm wondering, would you say more about that? Because it's such a common situation that many people don't feel comfortable talking about. Wondering if you'd feel comfortable opening up to us about what that was like. Absolutely. I think the more that we all can share our experiences and understand that other people are are having them, the better it is we're going to be able to make our situation. You go into these relationships and you love each other so much and and there's this pressure, this feeling of that it is not being loving, particularly I think with someone who is earning more money, I feel like they have an expectation or, or there's this feeling or dynamic that you're not going to push too hard. You're going to trust them. They'll tell you what they need to tell you. They will show you what you need to know. And at certain times, especially after I had my son, you start to, times like that in our lives, right? These major kind of milestones, we can get distracted by other things. But in my relationships, I would really hand over power. And there was a sense of, I think, unworthiness internally on my part. There was a sense of, if I love this person, I don't need to know all this information. I can trust them. But I would say it is so important to always be involved in the finances of any relationship you're in, any relationship. Even if you are staying at home, you're not working a job outside of the home, or you're doing a different type of job, or you make less money, that doesn't matter. It is your life together, and you both are equal partners. And you need to insist on seeing the accounts and you need to insist on seeing the investments and you need to insist on having the passwords for all of these things. I see spreadsheets sometimes and I have explanations, but I didn't push my way. I mostly didn't push my way into going into the accounts myself and really looking at them and having access to them. Tiffany, you just said a really important thing. You need to insist on seeing the accounts, knowing the passwords And I also appreciate that we can see statements, but maybe we don't understand it. So asking the questions over and over until we do. And I think that's really powerful. It sounds like you've been able to get to a point in your life where you could do that in your relationship. And if you can describe how you've gotten there, that'd be really an important lesson for all of us. As my confidence kind of grew in terms of where I was going, And when I say confidence, I don't necessarily mean my self-confidence because that was still something I was really struggling with and working on. But my confidence about, okay, this is the direction I have to go and I have to be involved in these statements. I have to start becoming responsible. I have to take some responsibility fiscally for this. And once I decided that it was my right, that I was entitled to see these things, that I was entitled to just because I was in the home did not mean I wasn't entitled to it. Then I became very insistent. And I think when I got the pushback where, oh, you know, let me give you the password over the phone because I'm not comfortable. Or, you know what, I'm in public. I don't want people to overhear it. Let me give you passwords when I get home. We'll do it this weekend. You know, it would be excuse after excuse. It finally just became just so obvious to me, like, wow, I'm in a bad place here. Like, I have no idea. Like, I have no idea what this person is spending. 
I have no idea what we truly have in savings or in investments. I don't know. And this is not a place you want to be. And so it was when I decided that, okay, it's time. Stop being scared of the finances. I was scared of the finances too. Like stop being afraid. You'll just have to figure it out. Get in there and figure it out. Ask questions. If he won't answer, call someone up, call the advisor up, say, hey, what does this mean? Talk to me. I am very good about saying, you know, I have my an advisor now, financial advisor now, and I'm very good at saying when I was interviewing people, look, I want to learn a lot. I don't know a whole lot about finances. So some of my questions may feel like they're very basic questions. I should know them. Are you okay with that? Because I'm going to do that. And make sure you find someone who's like, yeah. I love the questions. Please ask them. I love what you're saying. I love this path to empowerment that you went on. And as you describe it today, you sound so confident and inspiring. And I'm just wondering when you were in that spot of curiosity and really telling yourself you needed to get in there and understand, what did that feel like for you? Oh, it was so, so scary. I remember I was just, I was terrified because I knew this was an area that was really going to test the relationship. And that was very scary. But I knew at that point, it was like, this is my right. This is my self-worth. I am allowed to do this. And if it pushes this relationship, then okay. Like that's what it is. And, you know, a huge realization was when I came home and this person had made a major purchase without any sort of conversation with me. I said, I could never do that. Like that would never be okay in this relationship. And really you're just seeing that imbalance. And then soon after that, because I was really questioning them being told, okay, I think we need to start doing an allowance situation. (laughs) And that was like, wow, no, I'm not a child. Oh, wow. So the Tiffany, the allowance. So a conversation with him, he said, was to have an allowance. Yes. It's time to have a conversation about allowance. We'll both have the allowance so we can spend our money on what we want without the other person knowing. And I said, well, hold on a minute. You already spend, you spend money because I can't see what you spend. I'm not in the accounts. I don't understand how this benefits me at all. So yeah, it was that each step, you know, it's a baby step. We have to be good with, all right, today I'm going to push this one today. I'm going to push the question of, I want the passwords. I'm going to, okay. And and you build up and I think it just builds up for me over time. You know, that little tiny voice became bigger and bigger and bigger. Tiffany, at the time, were you talking to friends and family about how you were feeling? No, no. Not at all. We don't talk about money, right? Like we don't talk to our friends about money. We don't talk. It's uncomfortable. It just felt like I was embarrassed too. I felt embarrassed that I was living this way. I felt like, wow, you know, people are going to be like, how can you be like that? How can you not be in there? You know, and there were a few times where I may have mentioned a little bit to somebody, but not much. Towards the end, yes. Like when the bigger things started happening. Yes, I I did a little bit, but still it was mostly, I would say it was mostly between me and my therapist because that was where I was comfortable. And so you made changes in your life, very positive sounding changes, and you decided to start a business. 
So you're going from one scary situation to another. Tell us what that was like. Was it scary for you? Yes. And I think that also contributed to me. It was terrifying. And then also that kind of happened before, you know, that was while I was in the relationship is when I started it. And I think that also, it just gave me, I think, more confidence to start to try and know that, hey, wait a minute, I need to be involved in this. I'm smarter than I'm giving myself credit for. So yeah, yeah, it's absolutely scary. Like being an entrepreneur is scary. And I launched, like I said, I launched online just before I ended up filing for divorce a couple months later. And so there was a moment where I thought I was going to have to like not continue it. And, you know, it's taken a lot of like, okay, I'm going to do it. We're moving forward. This is scary. I'm moving forward. But yeah, I started it. Um, I moved from San Francisco to Austin, Texas about four and a half years ago. And at the time, I was in the middle of my Pilates teacher training program. And I thought I was going to be a holistic health coach and have a Pilates business as well. And so I had met with an old boss from like a million years ago from Sephora when they first came over from the US. And she was always this amazing, just such a great mentor. And I met with her not too long before I moved. And she had started a clean beauty retailer. And so I was asking her, like, because I was just kind of curious, like, so what's going on? Like in clean beauty, you know, I've been mostly conventional beauty. I had tried to find some clean beauty products that worked for me, but most of them that I was seeing weren't super pigmented and weren't long lasting and all the things, these things I wanted. I had no intention of going back into cosmetics. I just thought I was, I had already been, you know, I did it. And that conversation with her where she said, you know, we really need, I've got great vendors, but, you know, great brands, but I need some founders that have that traditional retailer buying background. And I think that's, you know, you should really look at color. And I was like, forget it, not going to happen. And I moved and it just kept nagging, you know, when you have that, (laughs) something just nagging at you. And at that point in my life, I was... So living in so small, and what I mean by that is I was just being as small as I could be. Like I was, I was living small in my life. I was making my life work around my relationship and around my son. And I really wasn't doing a lot for me. Like it was, I was trying to make things fit into it. And so it was scary and my confidence was down. And so I told myself, like I said, okay. I don't know if I have to do this, but what we're going to do is I'm going to give myself one question a week and I'm going to look up that online. I'm going to call whoever I need to call, email whoever I need to email, but I would do that once a week and I have to reach out to somebody. And so it started out with just like that. (laughs) Going back to the habits. It scared me, you know? Yeah, it it, it scared me because I was like, wow, they're going to think I'm dumb. They're going to think I'm some silly like housewife. And they didn't. (laughs) And I was like, wow, okay. And so I just kept going. And I'm like, okay, next step. Like each step was scary for me. Each step like, okay, order some samples. Okay, let's do this. Let's do that. And then all of a sudden I had this business. I look at my website even now. I'm like, oh my, I don't even know how I did that. (laughs) But you know, it's again, baby steps. Tiffany, with your son, 
I'm curious, how are you raising him with regards to money and having money conversations and connecting money with values? Yeah, I mean, that has been interesting. So, you know, it's definitely come up more now since the divorce. And even though they're challenging conversations, I think they're really good conversations for him. He has never had to want for anything. And now he's in two homes. And one home can go on the nice vacations, can do all the things. Has this summer place in Italy. And then the other home, <laughs> the other home is like, you know, okay, well, we're going to do this mellow vacation or this break. I told him, you know, we did some vacations earlier this year and we're done. Like, that's all that I have in our vacation budget. And so we're going to stay home and we're going to have fun together. That's what we're going to do. And so it's been interesting. We've had to have these conversations of where he, interestingly enough, has felt a little entitled about saying, hey, no, I know you have enough for this or you have enough for that. So we've had to really have some sit downs and really say like, this is no, let me talk to you about finances in this house. And with him, it's definitely been a challenge, like trying to get him to understand the value of money. Because in one home where, okay, you can have an allowance, but I, you actually have to do the things. And then it's different in the other home where it's more freely given. So, you know, he's kind of like, yeah, whatever. I, I don't feel like cleaning the cat litter box. I'm not worried about that money this week. So yeah, it's something I'm trying to figure out. I love the arc of your life so far. It's one that as you talk about it today, you've really climbed up this ladder of empowerment and you are so thoughtful and in charge and on top of everything. And I want to congratulate you for that because the transition you've taken yourself through is not an easy one. And it's really inspiring hearing your story. What is your next money conversation going to be? And who's it going to be with? It's for sure with my son. And I think the conversation is going to be, I I think I want to start, he's 12. I think I want to start letting him in on kind of some, not everything, but some of the monthly budgeting. So you can understand like, hey, this is what water costs. This is electricity. Like these things add up. This is rent. I think that's important. And I think kids, you know, I think we don't give them enough credit for how smart they are. And we can have these conversations in a way that isn't like scary, but is also like, yeah, this is the real deal. So yeah, it's not easy. Like you can see, you know, that's before we buy groceries. And I think it's something I wish I had been able to have. My mom didn't do that. So this budgeting concept is definitely something I want to pass on. It's still a work in progress for me. Like, I'll be very honest about it. I I think it's something that, as you were saying, Sandy, like it's a habit. You got to get into it. But yeah, that's an important conversation for sure. It really is. And such an impactful one. I certainly applaud that. I think you're definitely on the right track from experiences with clients. There's nothing like modeling and bringing a child into conversations that they're ready for when they're ready for it and and helping boost them along the way. So 
Yeah, it's really powerful. And Tiffany, thank you for sharing that with us. I, I also liked your line about budgeting is a work in progress because I can definitely <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> you and I can check in on each other. We can be accountability partners. Thank you for sharing so much of yourself and congratulations on all your success. Thank you for joining us on the Money Tales podcast. All right. Thank you so much. It's been great uh, speaking with you both. Thanks for listening to the Money Tales podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with someone you think would benefit from listening and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Your ratings and reviews help more people find our podcast. If you're inspired to gain clarity and peace of mind about financial matters, don't hesitate to reach out to our team at Asperient. Go to asperient.com forward slash start a dialogue. Or you can email Sandy and me at podcasts at See you next time.